Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I saw a father saying goodbye to his child with a profound disability yesterday. It really is harrowing. It's so important that people who have a large following are aware of the impact they can have in the messaging that they put out. Lack of communication to their customers. It's terrible, you know. I'm embarrassed. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. There is a meeting today or they're showing the revised plans for bus connects for Balifahan. Remember, they've taken on board what you said and they've drawn it all up again. This is what they said they'd do. Balifahan Library, Tory Top Road, today, three till half seven. You won't know what the plans are till you go up there. And then there's a meeting, half seven, Thursday night in the community centre to see if people like what they see. So if you're following that story, and heck at this stage, who isn't? Uh, go along to the library in Balifahan today between three and half seven, and then there's a meeting on Thursday evening in the community centre. Morning to you, Tuesday, 0818969696, the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083. 396-9696 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie After 10, if you ever worked, you'll be interested in this, if you ever worked in the UK for three years or more, God countless people did. Any time you left school or left college and headed off to the UK and do you know the way people work their way around for, for a couple of years and then move on and come back and come home or if you were in college in the UK and you worked while you were over there you could have some money waiting for you. Yes, you could. I'll fill you in on that after 10, all right? 0818 96 96 96. But first, I need to go to to Sharon. And I, Sharon, when I read your, your note to us, I think every parent of a small child will identify. The first time you bring a smallie on a plane, you literally throw yourself to the wolves. You have no idea what's going to happen. And that's where you want to take up the story. Morning. 
Good morning. How are you? Good. You have no idea what's going to happen when you take a smallie on a plane. So, no. So what did happen? <laughs> well, we had smallies times three. Oh, God. Plus an, an, um, an older girl who was obviously very good. But, yeah, we had um, a flight with Ryanair from Dublin to Athens on Friday morning. So an early morning, 7.20 a.m. flight. And obviously, little kids, um, three age three and under, um, had a disrupted night's sleep, and they do love their sleep and um, early morning start, and they were a little bit unsettled going into the flight. Not too bad, but it it escalated, <laughs> and um, on on takeoff, they were fairly significantly upset, just crying, distressed, and the ears were popping, mm. and um, settled a little bit. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go around everybody and start to apologise, you know, but. <laughs> Before I got the opportunity to do that, um, I think someone got upset and then in some, you, know, you get one settled and then it would be someone else's turn and then you get another one settled and someone else's How turn. How old so are I, they, Sharon? Um, we've got a one-year-old little baby and twins who have just only just turned three. Okay. So, um, and then I've got an older girl who's eight and myself and my husband were on the flight. So we were trying to juggle the three little ones between us. And had any of um, been on a flight before? The um the little baby has never been now that the twins were on a flight when they were only infants, you know, so it was kinda different. And I think the the game changes when you're outnumbered as well, you know. So <laughs> it was <laughs> we are Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you know when you've got one um one baby pair parent, it's sort of an easier juggle, but when you're passing them across the aisle <laughs> trying to say, Okay, it's your turn now. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, it was just it was a bit chaotic, and I think you know there was different things um, escalated to bring about the situation. You know, it, it it really was their first time in awareness flying, and um, they we were rushed getting on the plane. There was someone in our seat, and we had to move, and we were juggling all the bags and all the kids, and um, it was quite disruptive. And then on on landing on descent, the descent seemed quite rapid, and the little fella who was actually probably the quietest of them all, his little ears just went astray, and he yeah. cried and he cried. And the little girl, um, the twin girl at my side, um, she got very distressed with her ears and wanted up and wanted me to hold her, and I was holding the other young fella, and. Um, she wouldn't keep her seat, but also it, it kind of all descended into a little bit of chaos. And um, when we sat back and I tried to allow everyone else to um, to leave the plane, obviously very aware with our heads hung low that we were very disruptive. And I know it's not a nice experience for anyone on a plane um, when children are upset because it's disruptive for everyone. But um, we were kind of looking at each other and all of the bags that we had, like a bag per person and the six of us. And um, thinking, how are we going to do this? Like, how do we carry three crying kids between two of us and six bags and a suitcase you know, off the plane? And um, then just kind of I glanced down the aisle and there was a beautiful lady looking up at me and she kind of gave me a, a look. And um, then herself and there was a gentleman with her and they both very subtly, kindly offered to uh, just to start throwing bags down to us, you know, and mm. I said, no, you're, you're fine. It's no problem. And they was like, no, just you, you, you take the kids, we'll take the bags. And that's just, you know, and it was just like the kindness in her words, you know, I, I felt the tears flow yeah. at that point. She'd probably been there, Sharon, do you know? Uh, or certainly felt our our cause, you know, um, and it just, for someone to connect with you, um, and it, they, they were a good few rows back, um, so it's not like, you know, she she obviously had observed from a quiet distance and just wanted to 
um, to feel that she was taking some of the burden away. Do you know, and we genuinely, I had, I had notions of just leaving the bags on the plane. Like I didn't care at that stage. I just wanted <laughs> yeah, to get away. I said your notions leaving the children on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been a better plan, yeah. <laughs> But oh, look at it. It was just, and I, I just, I feel like I was so overwhelmed at that point in time. I didn't really take the chance that I feel my heart would have wanted to to say thanks to them, you know, because they were just so gentle and so subtle and so. They, they just took control of a situation that had just descended for us, you know. And, and, and tell me, were, they, were, were yours the only children on the plane? No, there was other ones, and they were fine. <laughs> they were no, they weren't really. You know that, don't you? They oh, were all upset their own little way. Yeah. They were all grunting and snuffling yeah. their own little way. But you, all you saw was your own three children. And they were the first yeah. children in the world ever who'd gone a bit away on a plane. And you were mortified. And everybody was looking at you. And they, weren't, they weren't really. Yeah. Everyone was looking at you going, oh, that poor woman. I have been oh, there. Dude, I, I don't have know. done that. Oh, oh they were. <laughs> oh, they were. You see, I, I remember taking four-year-old twins on a flight to Spain. And, really? first, and you've no idea the first time. You've no idea the first yeah, time. You know? and, yeah. And now I go, I'm, if I see someone in your situation on a plane, you're kind of half drawn between, I want to go down to them and tell them it'll all be fine. Or I want to see when you're, shut that child up. Oh, I know. No, we, we totally felt it. And at, I know. Like at the start, you know, when we first boarded and then they were all a little bit unsettled and it all sort of, it chilled. But there was moments like it wasn't, it wasn't four hours of absolute screeching. Like, you know, it, there was moments when I thought, okay, this is okay now. We're, we've got it under control and it would start again, you know. But um, you, you want to apologise to everyone, but it reached a point where I was just that mortified. I didn't want to even let anyone see me. You no, know? I know, I know. You want to get down on the seat and knock them out again. Yeah. No, but ultimately the, the main goal that I have is just, you know, from being very, un, um, very ungathered or uncomposed at that point, um, I'm not really able to communicate thanks to that lovely couple. I just want them to know, you know, how much it meant just to have someone sure. in, in some way hold our, hold our hands well, and carry let's, us. Let's see know, if they're for, listening and see if, or if anyone knows, because you know what? They may well have exactly. picked up the phone to someone at home and said, there was this family on the plane from yeah. I swear to God, <laughs> such a disgrace. They made, I'm only messing with you, Sharon. <laughs> I'm much. only fooling with you. So there were, so, <laughs> so you were going from Dublin to Athens on Athens, Ryanair. Yeah. Right? When was it? Yeah, um, Friday morning, seven twenty a.m. Seven twenty a.m. Dublin, and you reckon this couple from from Cork, if they're yeah, if well, they're, not, we're we're guessing Cork. Um, I I would certainly have said Cork. Column would have said Cork. We um did definitely Munster area, and um, just a very we 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 definitely would have the same Cork. A very kind, gentle, beautiful. Um, lady and gentleman and we just with all of our hearts want to thank them um, if they were still here we'd try and meet them and buy them a pint you know it's just to so the kindness in the world is recognised mm. and oh, appreciated and Athens. we're still here oh, yeah. well now I'm going to get jealous now and tell me are, are the yeah. children alright since are they? They're flying, not a butter. You, you, we got off the plane, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't have knew who they were. Do you know? I think it was the intensity of the situation on the plane, and they're all they're lockdown babies, and they haven't been exposed very much to these kind of situations. You know, so I think the not the the newness of the environment and the intensity of it, um, and the noise of the plane, all of these things. Do you know? Yeah. Did, um, did you want to run and jump out the window? Did you? 
I, I don't went anywhere. With <laughs> 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 the toilet and close the door and cry. Oh, yeah, I did actually go to the bathroom at one stage and you kind of have that moment where you think I could just quite happily, and like, normally you want out of them, but you just could quite happily have stayed there. <laughs> oh, you you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, I tell you, when they, when they get a little bit older, Sharon, right, here's another little reality, right? None of them will ever want to go to the toilet at the same time on a flight. None of them, okay? Yeah. And the next little reality is that the way the seating plan works, it'll always be the one that's sitting on the inside. Always, yeah, that's And when you sure. have, as you and your yeah. husband, is it four, three, four? Four. 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 Oh, mm. but that's okay. You then need to book two rows across the plane. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, you'll have the child in by the window who needs to crawl over the 72-year-old yeah. man who's asleep. <laughs> oh, that's the worst, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I've been doing this for years and I absolutely oh, can identify can with everything I can you went understand. to. I can identify yeah, with I think everything we'll, you we'll, went um, We'll certainly be putting a lot of thought into um, our next flying, our next flight experience. <laughs> do you know, it'll not be for a little while. First and last, we said, no, but know. Um, yeah, we'll, do you know what's, do you we'll know, see. Do you know what works great for the ears? Now, I don't know if they'll let you, um, but, you know, a little, a bottle with a, with a teat on it, particularly for the small ones, yeah. filled with a sweet, juicy drink. And just let them yeah, let, let them suck could that. Actually, yeah. That 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 the years. No, in fairness, even now, even I mean myself, and I'm far, well well past childhood. Um, the, my ears bother me for about an hour and a half to two hours it's, after it's coming down. It's yeah, uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Coming down ain't so bad, but when you get down and you go yeah. off the plane, you're just stone deaf. Like that's yeah. that's a pain. <laughs> and then and then of course you're driving in the taxi and it's been a long flight and you yawn and then they stab into the side of the head. Yeah, Kids hate that. Yeah. So you can understand. Yeah, no, they do. And the, the little fella that suffered with the ears on the descent was actually, he was the quietest of the lot of them, do you know, for the for the flight. And then he just went mental. Of course Imagine being being a little one, right? And someone comes along and sticks a finger into each of your ears and starts to press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if someone came along no, to your ears... I'm, and put their thumbs into them and pressed. So that's that's what it's, it's so natural. But that's you know, it, listen, yeah. you're not the first. You won't be the last. And the thing about kids is, you know, they have they have no um, there's no inhibitions. You know, and it's part of the wonderful thing about childhood. If, if they're sore, they just scream they and let you know. So of course, it's just absolutely. And there's nothing thing. you can do. Well, yeah. I suppose ear 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 cancelling headphones might might be useful the next time. For yourself. True. <laughs> yeah. No, I think we've learned a lot. <laughs> you know, Sharon, we're having a laugh about it now, which I'm delighted that you can do. But let's yeah. try and see if we can find this couple, if they're in Athens and they may be listening, or if there's someone here. You know the way someone had been on, on the phone home, come here, met this lovely family on the plane. God help them. They're a lot of small I'm not children. sure lovely is the word they were just. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Again, repeat again. The Dublin to Athens flight last Friday morning left Dublin 7.20 a.m. 7.20 a.m. All right. 7.20 and, and, and honestly, um, in whether we actually make direct contact or not, and I suppose, you know, it's... Um, it's something to note for anyone that in these situations, you know, the, the tolerance and patience and kindness shown oh, yeah. um, makes such a difference. Like, you know, we're we still talking about it days later, you know, and it does. It, it, those little moments just can make or break a situation, you know, and for to have someone reach out to you and help you. Mm. Um, 
when you're struggling like and, and that's the same in anything in life like well, it's just lovely to have someone who's there for this, you this has come in while we're talking PJ I'll never forget my first flight with my first baby he was six months old he cried from the second we left Cork until we arrived in Spain oh, he then fell asleep oh, 10 minutes before we landed it was the most stressful yeah. time of my life there were some people going because I couldn't control yeah. his crying I'll never forget so the stress hard. I actually cried at the end of the flight from stress. That's from from Anna. Yeah, was... I feel I feel Anna. <laughs> I feel it. See, yeah, no, see, I, I, I was I, honestly when I when I met that lady, like she was so kind. Did you know how when someone's really kind to you when you're struggling, the tears just flowed. Like I just you know because it's all of the stress has been sitting inside you for the whole of the flight and. Um, just that that little bit of kindness, just it it was far reaching, that's for sure. And all you want is a stiff drink. <laughs> oh wow! Well. <laughs> oh yeah. Uzo. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that I, I mean, oh, well. I mean it, it's funny, you know, if they ever do get um, obstreperous, I used to say, if anyone, if I, if I, you said, I'd be a bit of a smart horse, you have to be in this job. And, yes. you know, if anyone ever tut tutted, I said, look, I've tried the gaffer tape and, and the cable ties, it yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> I never thought of the tape. That's a great idea. <laughs> see, ah, uh, Sharon, listen. Uh, if we find, so it was. It was Friday morning. Just be, just be 100% Friday sure. Morning, Friday yeah. morning. Friday morning. All right. Seven twenty a.m. Yeah. All right. All right. Listen, if we can find them, to be great. And you never know if they. It would be lovely. Any, they're yeah, anywhere near. No. They genuinely deserve the acknowledgement, you know, and um, yeah, it'd just it'd be lovely just to be able to say sincere thanks. Depress me totally. What's the word that like in Athens? It's lovely, and it's it's a bit grey at the moment, but it's lovely and warm. Um, and even the days, you know, it was funny. We were out in the city yesterday, and um, we were walking around with t-shirts and short sleeves and shorts. And the local people are going around with coats and hoods no, yeah. and woolly hats. <laughs> and it's like, how does that the Irish here? It's a gorgeous part of the world, isn't it? Gorgeous part of the world. It's beautiful. No, the sights are incredible. Do you know, and we're saying. Um, we're staying around the coast now and the beaches and everything and it's just beautiful. You know, I mean, we, the moment we arrived, we were glad we're here, but um, we, I have that slight apprehension now about the flight. Well, what you do is, right, but, enjoy the holiday and then send the kids home by that's DHL. That's, that is a great idea. Have you a number? <laughs> Sharon, take care of yourself. Enjoy your holiday, Thank you. all right? Thank you. Take Cheers. care. Bye-bye. Thanks Bye-bye. so much. Bye-bye. 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 She got in touch with us from Athens. If you are, if you know that couple who came to the assistance of a very stressed family in Athens last Friday morning, they just want to say thanks. They'd like to maybe buy you a drink out in Spain to say thank you for it. But we've all been there, lads. We have all been there. There's, we've all had the cranky child, the child who just collapsed into snots and tears two minutes into the flight and didn't stop until they landed. We've all been there. We've all been sitting across from the family who has the child that just won't settle. And we've all known when we sat on a plane taxiing up the runway out of Cork or maybe coming into Cork, we've all heard that little stirring two seats behind and the little... (coughs) It starts. And you just know. You just know. Yeah, it's an assault on your eardrums. But God help the fact that we've all been there. I'd love your stories. 0818 96 96 96. You tell me some of yours, I'll tell you some of mine. Because believe me, we've got some. i got to tell you about the time the buggy collapsed. The double buggy. The double buggy. There, somewhere, 
it's probably been dumped by now, on a runway <clears throat> in the Balearic Islands was the remnants of a double buggy on our way out to the plane. If you tell me your stories, I'll tell you that one. 0818 96 96 96. On a more serious local note, uh, there's a statement out from the Gardaí. As I was coming in this morning to work, there was <clears throat> excuse me, crime scene tape around the end of Paul Street. We're told uh, Gardaí are investigating an assault. Um, a man in his late teens taken to COH for treatment of injuries. Another man arrested, man in his 20s, taken to the Bridewell, and he's detained there. Investigations are ongoing. 0818-969696. Join Simon Murdoch on Cork's 96FM each afternoon this week for your chance to be at Cork Opera House for Great Cork Jazz Festival gigs October Bank Holiday Weekend. Win a golden ticket to go to Deck Pierce's Block Rock and Beats on the 28th, Jenny Green on the 29th, then Mac Fleetwood, Europe's premier tribute to Fleetwood Mac, and stars of Electric Picnic, King Kong Company, both on Sunday, October 30th. See CorkOperaHouse.ie for more. Listen from midday to win. Me and my, me and my people be only on Courts 96 FM. Yeah, Kate was on, and this is another one, and this one I don't have a whole pile of time for at all. What about the child that kicks the back of the seat all the way through the flight and there's nothing you can do? Oh, there is, Kate. And I would if I had to. I'd turn my head around to the parent with that child and say, would you ever stop her kicking the seat, please? I would. I'd have no problem with that because any child that has left to kick the seat of the person in front of you, that's just bold. Just bold. 0818 96 96 96. We'd love to find that couple that came to Sharon's assistance the other morning and get those stories from you about your own experiences on a plane. I'm sympathetic to them all, except the child who kicks the back of the chair. I have no time at all for that. 0818969696. Now, uh, staying with children, but a slightly more worrisome story. Uh, Michael, you're very worried about about your 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 young fella this morning. Good morning. Good morning, DJ. Um, the youngest fella is only two weeks, um, and currently he's inside in CUH with bronchitis. Right. Um, it's just basically down to where. My partner's living at the moment. The apartment's full of mould. They've only painted over it. They're not supporting her. We're ringing them, ringing them, ringing them. And nothing's happening. They're not even answering our calls now at the moment. So yeah. it's like they came in. She's in there about two years now. Right. And they only painted over the mould. Like they didn't clean out the apartment properly. So, so she has a five-year-old? Yeah. Okay. And he's asthmatic as well, and he's constantly sick. So it's it's just frustrating, like, because we're trying, and trying to basically give the kids the best life they have, but it's getting nothing with the crowd we're dealing with. Like, they're not even answering our phone calls. I know. The two-week-old... The two week old yeah. ...hasn't been home from hospital yet, no? He has, he's... He's been home, he was a week early. Right. And we were actually at home, and he just didn't sound right, he didn't look right, his breathing was heavy. We rang South Dock, and they told us just go into the hospital straight away. And now there's talks that 
he could be going to Dublin in the next two or three days. And that's worrying. That's a very it's worrying time. Very. Because, you know, two weeks old, like, he should be at home with his family, his brothers, yeah. his nana, his granddad. Instead, we're stuck inside here now. I'm taking time off work when I should be at work. And oh, you're talking to me from the hospital? Yeah, I'm in the hospital now. Okay. It's, a, it's heartbreaking, draw. Looking at him, just feel so helpless, like, and just the way he is, like, you, draw, you want to do something, but you know you can't, like. I know. So, when will you know whether or not he has to go to Dublin? The doctor said maybe a day or two they'll keep an eye on him and okay. if things don't improve they will have to send him up. So there's an asthmatic five-year-old who's constantly sick because of the uh, the mould and the damp and yeah. then you've got this newborn baby who already has first dose of bronchitis stroke bronchitis. Yeah. Is your partner a private tenant or a council tenant? She's on the housing list but so we're on daft every day we're ringing people are ringing TDs like I know there's a lot of people out there looking for houses I understand that mm. but when it comes to the case like your five year old is sick he's asthmatic when you're in hospital only after bringing your baby out of hospital two weeks it's very very frustrating and it's heartbreaking yeah like I ready to go to work and I got a phone call off my girlfriend saying we might be going to Dublin next few days yeah. like I, bro- I broke down in tears in the hospital like it's it's soul destroying of course it is so she's on the housing list <laughs> yeah but she's currently in a private apartment correct yeah and and the, the, the landlord what happens when you ask the landlord for help or when she asks the landlord for help oh I'll get her sorted I'm waiting on this fellow to get back to me waiting on that fellow to get back to me like, I've been on the phone to him, I've saying, like, she's in there two years. You haven't replaced the cupboards that you told haven't been done. So it's, I don't know, Joe, sometimes you just feel like you're going back and forth. Yeah. It's frustrating, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, I'm so lucky that where I do work, they are very understanding. They said, look, here's as much things you need. Which is good of them, yeah. Yeah, so it's other place there to be saying, look, you need to come to work or your job is gone. I'm just so lucky that I, I do have a secure enough job and they do understand my situation. Which is brilliant. The next couple of days could be traumatic. Like, what's going to happen to the five-year-old if the little one has to go to Dublin? He'll, he'll stay, I suppose he'll have to stay past my partner's parents' house or he'll be staying in my house, but... Like, he goes to school in Blackpool, and he still has to be brought to school every day. Like, I know. We can't just put him on hold just for baby, because he still needs to go to school. He still needs to get an education to rock and wear. It's hard going. It's, it is tough, because, like, Joe, we didn't need this now. Like, Joe, two weeks, we should be bringing our baby into the world. Instead, we're bringing him into the hospital. Yeah. And, so, and now they're off to bring him to Dublin. Like, if we do have to go to Dublin or whenever we do bring our baby home, like, we'll have to bring him home to either my house or my partner's house because can't, I can't bring him back in there, like, because I don't want to be here again in two, three weeks no. saying the same thing. No. We'll just have to see what happens and hopefully things will get better. Well, you know what? From one daddy to another... 
all I can do is tell you we're thinking of you. Perfect. Thanks, PJ. Thanks for your time as well. I really appreciate this. No bother, Michael. No bother. Have a good day. Hope everything works out okay and that the little one doesn't have to go to to Dublin. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Maybe I rushed through that one <clears throat> at the top of the show. You might have missed it if you're interested in the bus connects situation, particularly in Badafahan. And every time we talk about it, the phones light up, so it's a big one out there. Uh, there are some revised plans for bus connects and the Tory Top Road, Stoke Badavahan area today. They'll be on display between 3 and 7.30 in the library. And then on Thursday night, there's a meeting at half seven in the community centre to see what people make of the revisions. So we were told this, in fairness now, we were told this, that when Bus Connects issued their first set of plans and then people say I don't like this and I do like that and I don't want that and I do want this and you're certainly not putting a bus stop in my kitchen then they go back and they'll draw everything up again and they'll give you a new set of plans that seems to be what's have to happen with Balifi Hands so we'll see where that goes and anybody who wants to come back to us after the meeting or indeed before the meeting on Thursday happy to hear from you at 0818 96 96 96 we also have some more fairly grotty weather forecast for tomorrow I think Aaron have uh, another yellow warning for us tomorrow. Uh, whether we'll get a repeat of the intensity of the rain that we had on Sunday, I don't know. But it certainly looks like it could be a very grotty day tomorrow. PJ, just heard on the news the council have cleared all the gullies. That's not true. We've gullies just above my house. They're never cleared. My house was on the verge of being flooded on Sunday. The councillor, a joke. They just spin a few lines to the media and all is okay, says Brian. Well, that kind of implies, Brian, that we take the few lines as gospel, which which we don't. Uh, yesterday morning, we certainly hit on a problem, a widespread problem, where at least two people were on the show here talking about the floods. One was in a woman's home down in the... Uh, sort of Douglas Street area in her apartment where the water came up through the ground floor, water came up through the shower and water came into a depth of a couple of inches on her floor and then the minute the council freed the drain outside whoosh, all the water went away and also talking to Michael there's a picture in the front of the Echo this morning actually of Michael at the Turner's Cross Tavern clearing the place out after it was destroyed by flood water on Sunday and he said pretty much the same thing that the minute the council arrived outside and cleared the drain whoosh, it all went again so there must have been drains blocked up all over the place several people also began to say that part of the problem is construction companies and construction workers dumping debris down drains especially concrete now there's a story do you remember that in the summertime? and I was away when this happened um, I was on, on my hollybobs when this happened. Somebody put concrete down the drain on the Douglas Road and there was war because the, you literally had this drain-sized tube of solid concrete that had to be dung out. Do you remember that? I was away for that, but I remember reading it online while I was away and thinking, who the hell did that? 0818 96 96 96 Fintan O'Toole is writing today in the Irish Times about the ongoing because it is ongoing uh, ooh ah up the rat thing Fintan has a 
column. I won't read. You can read it for yourself. You can find it in the Irish Times if you want to read it. But we got a couple of emails in the wake of that discussion last week, and I'm going to read them again before the show is out because people went to the trouble of writing them, and now fin- Finton is writing in the. Times, which means the discussion isn't gone away yet, and there's every kind of a meme, and there was videos flying around at the weekend of Dublin Airport, so I'm going to hold on to those emails, and I'll I'll give them a a spin or a twist. Talking about buses and bus connects and that uh, information um, display today and meeting on Thursday in Bellefahan, here's a story we covered in depth last week uh, on the opinion line, which was the Cork to Kinsale bus spoke to a few people about the delays and trying to get onto it and the queues and stopping at the airport and how it's just a pain in the neck, basically. Boss Aaron have announced that from early November, the 226, that's the Kinsale route, will be served by double-deckers rather than single-deckers, which will increase capacity. Whether they were reacting to our listeners, I don't know, but they're certainly reacting to something. So good to see movement. 0818 96 96 96. The Takeover. On Cork's 96 FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up. What we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories with Sophie's Rooftop Restaurant at the Dean Cork. Serving lunch daily over breathtaking views. See sophies.ie. Turn up the music. On Cork's 96FM. Ashling, you were listening to Sharon talking about her experience on the flight to Athens and I think your heart went out to her. Morning. Oh, my God, my heart just broke for her. Uh, it's just, and now I, I will say I was laughing, but I was like, I understand her. Oh, it's just, it's the hardest thing when kids are upset on like flights. It's mm. just, oh, it just brought it all back. Let's put it that way. It just what, brought it all back. What happened to you? What happened to you? So basically my daughter is fine when she's flying, but where our experience happens is when we're in the air in the airport she gets fierce anxious through the process of the airport yeah. so myself and my daughter just because it's us two uh, we were we went to Lapland last December so it was a bit of a once in a lifetime trip right so um, we were the first flight out of Cork and I knew my daughter was a little bit anxious so I was the first in the airport mm. at the crack of dawn just to get her calm and all of that carry on yeah. so um, she right to cut a very long story short she ended up having three panic attacks in Cork airport and at the check-in desk, she puked all over our suitcases at the check-in desk. What age is she, actually? Uh, she is now nine, so she, she was eight then. Um, so obviously, um, like our suit, like the conveyor belt was obviously wrecked. Oh, no. Our suitcases was wrecked. I was on my own with um, Freya, so my 
worry was like her. So um, I have to say the Cork Airport staff and the Air, the Air Lingus staff just were fantastic. Uh, sure. But obviously... They've they seen had it all before, oh, They've seen it all before. They have. They 100% have. But when you're in that situation by yourself, you're like, I just want the ground to open up and just swallow me. <laughs> so anyway, I had to go and get Freya sorted. Um, and then we had to go through the process of the security. Uh, she had another panic attack at the security uh, check. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. So then we had to wait for our flight to be boarded. So obviously this information was transferred from the check-in desk to the boarding gate. Um, so they obviously saw myself and like Freya and me trying to, to keep myself calm. But obviously my worry was my um, daughter, who at this like stage had eyes hanging out of her head, was upset. Oh, it was bloody horrendous. And the bar wasn't even open, so I couldn't even have a bloody drink. I was like, I need a fucking drink. So um, to be fair, when the gate opened, um, we got priority boarding so I could bring Freya on. But PJ, I bought my daughter onto the Lapland flight, bawling, crying in hysterics but I was like if I don't do it we will never go see Santa so she's going to and see Santa she's bawling Christ in hysterics puking she was bawling I was about to have a mental breakdown myself but I have to say now so the flight was actually grand but I knew once we landed that I would have this process all over again because of going through security and checking. I will forever be thankful to a lovely family from Bandon. There was the mom, the dad and the two sons and they literally were like, just take your daughter. We, we, we'll we um, get your bags. We will get your snow suits. And I swear to God, PJ, I will be forever thankful. And I was like, Oh my God, I love you. I just, I was, if I didn't have them, I probably wouldn't have mm. lasted. Now we had the best time and yeah. Lapland was outstanding. Oh my God, it was absolutely thing, amazing. Think, when she gets off the plane then and she's landed on the ground, is all the panic gone then? No, all of the panic starts because we have to go back through the process of the airport on the other side. <laughs> so it's on the airport now we flew in the summer again myself and like Freya so we flew um, we just went to Lanzarote in the summer so I was very nervous I was like oh sweet Jesus now my nerves are going to be shook like but I have to say I actually didn't know that there is like a sunflower card that Cork Airport have and it's like a little lanyard for kids to put around their That's like right. neck to right. for airport staff to be aware if kids are anxious or anything like uh, that. So they gave that to like me and I gave it to like Freya, not telling her what it was, but like just making it cool, yeah. you know. And I have to say, PJ, it was the saving grace because now she wasn't getting sick, thank God. But there was anxious, like she was anxious. And, do you know, and I was like... I'm one parent to another here. You've aroused my curiosity. Um, because my son at a certain time in his life um, didn't like the queuing. Couldn't yep. handle the queuing at all. Loved the flight. Yep. 
lovely every yeah, yeah, yeah. travelling. Just couldn't deal with queues. And I had, a, I had a great friend, Lord be good to him, he's dead now in Cork Airport, a man called John Smith. And I used to ring John a couple of days before we travel. And John would, you know, make a call or two. And I could bring yeah. James straight through. Uh, because they understood the situation, uh, and yep. that was it. He he grew out of that. But do do you know where Freya's anxiety comes from? Um, do you know something? She doesn't really suffer from anxiety a whole lot. It's just in certain, probably the worst case is an airport issue. Like other than that, she's the happiest, most jolliest, most lovable child. Some, but it's something just frightening her in the airport then. Do you know? Do you know what I think it was? We have flown loads, and I'm not just saying this out of the blue because we hadn't flown because of COVID. Sure. We hadn't gone through the airport experience like in like about two and a bit years. Yes. So it was all gone out of her like head. But I swear to God, PJ. I never forget it. I, I until I take my last breath on this earth. I, I was like, I've dragged my child onto a Santa flight, bawling, crying, but <laughs> and stinking of sick. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was horrendous. Yeah, it was horrendous. Can I make a small suggestion to you for the next time Go on. you want to travel? <laughs> no, no. This is all serious. Again, one parent to another. Maybe a few days before you're due to go the next time. Right. Take time out. Visit the airport. And walk We've her, done that. Really? I've done all of that on my my hand and heart. And is she We've okay done with all of that. She um she's fine, but once the actual day comes right. like it's just let's roll with it and let's get her on the plane. But the flight's grand down because she loves flying. Yeah, she yeah. absolutely bloody exactly. adores flying. I know. I know. But it's you know? just the whole thing. Yeah. Something else. But said. look, we got there and it was the most amazing Brilliant. trip ever. Smelling of sick and, and all yeah. snots and tears but you got there and the best yeah. ever. Well done, yeah. well done, well done. <laughs> yeah. That sunflower lanyard is brilliant. There's another little thing as it's well. It's outstanding. Ashling, that, and it's for anything. You could get it and hold it in, in your own situation. Look up jam card. Okay. And a jam card is a little thing that you carry or she carries, you carry it, right? So when you're going to a check-in desk or something like that, you just gently put it up with your passport or with your and it says just a minute. And it, okay. it, it recognizes that somebody there is anxious or has a problem. And it, okay. it, they they just take that extra little second to help you They're through. a massive help. Yeah. They are a massive Man. help because I have to say when we came back into Cork from Lapland she had that on, and one of the staff at the hand, at the uh, baggage belt yes. spotted it and brought us right through. Fantastic. I was like, "Oh my god, I love you!" No, I was the, like, the, the "I just flower, love you." Sun, yeah, Tesco <laughs> yeah. had the sunflower in a few more places as well during during COVID. Yeah, it's really handy because I actually didn't know it was a friend of mine. Um, actually, her husband works in the air in the airport, and she like said it, and I was like. Oh Jesus Christ! Just give me twenty. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh God Almighty! Yeah. Yeah. Ashling, listen, yeah. it's it's great talking to you, and and I, I hope, on, that, PJ, I hope she'll care. grow out of it. I hope she'll grow out. Of it. She better. Yeah, she better. <laughs> Go on. Thanks. Take Go on. Care. Bye. Bye. Bye.
The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, someone on the phone says at every stage in life there's stress around holidays. What about keeping all the kids together? There's always one that gets distracted and wandered off. When I was the distracted child, the fear then when the ticket inspector or steward came and you felt like you were a criminal. (laughs) It's true. Rosaline wants to know if uh, our first family, Sharon and them, are flying home. Well, of course they are. Good luck with that, says Rosaline. Yeah, I was suggesting to her that maybe she and her husband fly home and send the kids via DHL or Amazon, but I don't think that'll go down too well. I'm sure we might have the <laughs> Child Protective Services on you for that, but I was joking! Good God, I was joking. 0818969696. Come here with regard to the junior search. See that there in the news. 23rd of November. So why don't they hold on and just send them to the kids in a Christmas card, for pity's sake? That's ridiculous. You did an exam in June, and you get it, like, four weeks before Christmas. Nah. Not good enough. 0818 96 96 96. I watched the second episode last night at the Midnight Club. I'll tell you about it in a while. Definitely. Speaking of junior search, there's a connection. If you're watching it, you'll know. Let's go to Anne Denise Stubb. I'm waiting to talk to you, Anne Denise, for a little while. We were chatting back in September about people who'd been to the new hospital in Alicante or near Alicante, Denia, I think it is. And it's brilliant. People have transplants and hip, not transplants, but hip replacements and knee replacements and cataract operations and the whole thing. And Anne Denise, you were one of the first, one of the very first to go over from Cork. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. When did yes, you go? Um, I I went over with my daughter on the 7th of August. Right. Um, and from from start to finish, um, it was just fantastic. Um, I, uh, we got to Alicante and Suzanne met us and we went from there to Denia. We were booked into the beautiful hotel. Um, then on Monday morning, we went to the, the new hospital there. We met with, um, I met with the consultant, Dr. Lopez. Mm-hmm. And um, What is it you were having done? I was having my, my hip done. I was having my left hip done. Okay. And, and how long had you been waiting? Um, Here, basically, like. or, um to start off, PJ, I in 2017 I was diagnosed with um, spondylosis, which is osteoarthritis in my right, in my um, vertebrae, between okay. my fourth and fifth um, in the spine, which is it, it was very very painful, 
And from 2017 until about three years later, the hip started going because I was compensating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in very... The pain was excruciating. My daughter's laughing at me now because mm-hmm. that word has been used. No, so I, I ended up... You were taking... You were, you were protecting your spine, putting the weight on your hip, and therefore you were damaging your hip. I, I That's exactly it. And um, I was on two tablets, one amitriptyline and one tramadol. And, um, that had knocked a horse, didn't it? Yes. But I started off with the morphine patches. And then I was put on the amitriptyline and then I was put on tramadol. And I, for some reason, the last week in July of this year, Paul Byrne came on and was talking about health board care abroad. And I listened and within an hour of that phone call, I I was speaking to, I wasn't speaking to Chris, I left a message with him. And on Tuesday night, I got a phone call from Chris. He asked me my everything that was going on with me. He asked my health, everything. Had I an MRI done? Had I have had everything done? So you heard the report from Paul, and I think here on the radio as well. We were talking about this, and Chris Goody seems to be the go-between guy. Well, here in Ireland, his son Andrew is. I see. I see. And. Um, I was in contact with, and Chris was ringing me from England or from Spain, but Andrew is the go-to here, right. where you send everything to to Dublin. So you, then it's sent from um, Dublin to Chris. Yeah. So you were in trouble since 2017, and Denise, and you were in severe pain, you were taking enough drugs to knock a horse, and you were in an awful lot of trouble. You needed the hip. You'd been waiting since 2017. You heard about this in July. How long between your first contact and arriving in Alicante? Um, two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah. Two weeks. Because in between MPJ, I had to get a credit union loan. Yeah. And it, it that's, you know, between um, the consultation between Chris and the uh, credit union. And they have come on board now, the League of Ireland of Credit Union have come on board That's right. with Chris and um, it's the only way it's the only way I could do it it's the only um, I, I didn't know how long I was going to be waiting here in Ireland to have a hip operation No, I, I, I just wanted off the tablets yeah. I, I wanted off tramadol yeah. I was becoming I was getting addicted. Yeah. And the amnesty to time they they were becoming immune. I know. And <clears throat> um the reason I You were I, getting I, scared I, for yourself, weren't you? I listen, I, I was very scared because it, it it you know, you're getting up in the morning, all I was doing was sleeping. I am um, literally crawling up the stairs with the pain from the arthritis. And in the end, I was going from amitriptyline to tramadol, tramadol to amitriptyline, 
Now, they, you know, um, so in the end, and then I have another condition. I have an underactive thyroid. Okay. So the underactive thyroid, um, the symptoms of that are fatigue and depression. Oh, God. So... In the end, you weren't living. I, I, you weren't living much of a life, and, and then you heard about this on the radio, hey? Well, I I be quite honest with you, PJ. Um, a year, in um, about a year and a half ago, I went. There's a new doctor in Carrigaline called Doctor Breed McGrath. Mm-hmm. She looked. She was sent me for an X-ray and an MRI, and. Um, I was actually first going to Belfast. Yes. But it stopped because of um, England being out of the EU. The Brexit thing, that that did affect it, yeah. That did affect it, yeah. And um, when, when when we got there, there was six of us. There was four of us had their hips done. There was a... And there was one knee and there was one carpal tunnel. Um, Crikey, carpal tunnel. Yes. Wow. And then uh, there was one lady from Kerry, 82 years of age. There was one man from Donegal, 82 years of age. There was one lady from Kildare, Nuria. um, And there was one man, Ken, and one lady, Sharon, who had the carpal tunnel done. Sounds to me like you were the baby of them all, were you? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well... uh, but, you know, anyone who is waiting for an operation and have been on it for five or six years or even a year, mm-hmm. I tell them, go and have it done. Because Kathleen below in Kerry, she, honestly, you should have seen her after mm-hmm. the operation. She was just like, and so was Kevin. Yeah. How, how, quickly, how quickly after you had your surgery did life start to get better? I... I am nine weeks after the operation. I had it on the 10th of August. I am now without crutches. I am off tramadol. I am off amitriptyline. Isn't that brilliant? Uh, You have no idea. It's, I I have my life back again. Now, um, I haven't driven in months and months because um, my right leg on the accelerator, it's, it's just no good. It doesn't do. It doesn't do my arthritis any good. Yeah. It doesn't do my spinal. It, it really doesn't. I so I I kind of have given up tri- driving, but other than that, it's given my life back. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I know that you wanted to to reach out and 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 thank ourselves and others for the coverage because you'd never heard it otherwise. No, I wouldn't have. And some for some reason. Uh, I just turn on and I did like I do every morning, ninety six FM, and here was Paul tell, and I was, oh, there's a God up there. <laughs> yeah. And um, nine weeks later, and I'm still on my tablets for for the arthritis, and it, um, <clears throat> but to be off tramadol has been, like oh my change. God, it's like winning the lotto. Oh, it is. It is, it is, and you're great, you're great, and 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 you'd recommend well, I, any, and, and like again, you know, we've done a few this with a few people. Like you literally put everything you have together, get all your files together, make the initial contact. There have to, you obviously you may have to go to a credit union, but.
but th- there's a credit union that does all the heavy lifting and yeah. this man Chris Goody facilitates it and Bob's your uncle once you're okay you're okay and they'll meet you off the plane and they put you up and the hotel is all included um, no the hotel and the um, the flight and the hotel you have to pay for yourself okay 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 now I have I had no problem with that I would have I would have paid double sure 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 because I just feel our health is more important and I don't I don't for one minute blame anyone. I ha- I needed those tablets. I was in pain. Yeah, but now you don't need them anymore and you're not in pain. Isn't that brilliant? And it, it, and it just makes you think, um, if, you know, it, it, is it the hip? Like, um, what I'm trying to say is the pain, yes, is on my right side and it's um, the spondylosis, but the... The hip or the pain was coming from the wear and tear of oh, the sure, hip. Sure, your hip, your hip was in bits because of the way you were minding it, minding your spine. Yes. Yeah, that's uh-huh. I, un- I completely understand that. And Denise, I'm delighted. I, I hope your recovery continues to go as well as it has gone, and that you've got those blasted drugs out of your life, and you'll never have to have them again. And thank you. I know that you're talking to us a couple of weeks ago about this. You contacted us to say that you wanted to say thanks to everybody. Well, you know what? It's great to be able to bring people a story that helps them. Thank you, um, PJ. Yes, just and anyone who's waiting, I just think they should go there. And they also do um, the the stomach one, the uh, the one you were talking about yesterday. Oh, the gastric band. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they, they they also do that. They have they actually have three hotel, um, hospitals. They have one in Alicante for that. I got you alone, and they have um, they have it for. Uh, there's one in Denia, there's one in Alicante. Right. There's two hospitals, actually. Right. It's, a, it's a proper little industry over there, and a really good one. Thank you, Anne Denise. Delighted to chat with you and to hear that your recovery is going so well. She heard about the hospital on the radio here on the Sixpence, and she made contact, and she's off those horrible painkillers, and she is up and around off her crutches. Not driving yet, doesn't know whether she will or not. But uh, she is okay and she's out of pain. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Love to hear stories like that. Love to hear them. Now, uh, Carol was on by email. We went to Florida with a two and a half year old who was quite naturally energetic and happy on the plane. We should have known, though. Our little blessing went very quiet and a very funny shade of green before throwing up on a complete stranger. God almighty. And we were all strapped in for landing at the time. So he just had to sit there dripping in sick. Oh, no. Thanks, Carol. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Win yourself a golden ticket to the Cork Opera House for the entire jazz weekend. Your chance to win is here from midday on Cork's 96FM. Let's go back to Sabrina talking to me in January. I think it's an absolute joke how we have to fight for every appointment. His eye appointment is the one that has me really stressed out at the moment. He needs an operation on his eye to correct the squint. Yeah. Um, well, you're talking to someone, Sabrina, who had three of those operations when I was 18. So yeah. I know how important they are. Yeah. And, like, it's so hard for my son because he cannot see what's in front of him. You know, like, um, 
like his sister's shoes, he got confused because they were navy and pink and they thought he was his because his were navy and white. Sabrina, that's you talking to me in January. Dean got sorted. Morning. Yeah, hi. Um, we got a phone call there Thursday, two weeks ago, saying that Temple Street had a cancellation. Um, could we come up last Wednesday? And um, I was like, yeah, we'll take it, no problem. So we went up Tuesday evening. Uh, we had to be on the day ward for half seven in the morning. And he went down to theatre about just after 12, um, back up at half one, quarter to two, and home that evening. Yes. He got started. I remember when you and I were talking back in January, you were, you were really upset, and someone came forward and actually offered to pay for the operation privately. They did, and oh my God, I was so grateful, but I would have, I, Temple Street know Dean, uh, he's been up and down since he was born, they know him, they trust him, or Dean trusts them, you know, and I trust them, and like I said, thank you, but no thank you, because I'd rather stick with my, with who I trust, you know. Um, We were actually offered by Temple Street to go with a private clinic um, a few weeks ago, because they're trying to offset their waiting list. And I said, look, again, no, I'd rather stick with what I know and, you know, who I trust. And because I know they're fantastic, they've been fantastic with both my children who both had surgeries up there. So, you know, again, stick with what what I know, you know. How Um, is Dean now? Oh, he's flying it. You wouldn't think he's after any operation. Uh, Once he came around off the anaesthetic Wednesday evening, because we got the train home, and by the time we were in the train from Middleton, oh, we got on, to Hold on, two. hold on, He had the operation done when? Wednesday morning? Wednesday morning, yeah. And you were on a train home Wednesday afternoon? Uh, five or six o'clock Wednesday. How, how did yeah. you feel about that? I'd have been a bit worried about that. How do we... No, because, again, I was confident that once he came around off the anaesthesia, which is their, you know, their their policy, yeah. and that he's good to go. Sure, He was eating and drinking on the ward and everything. Oh, demanding more toast. <laughs> As you do. Um, but yeah, no, when we were on the train home, we he was asleep the whole way down from Cork to Dublin. And then we he was asleep waiting for the Middleton train, which we were only waiting about 10, 15 minutes once we got off the train. Sure. And um, we got to carry two lengths to get to Middleton. And he was back to his normal yappy, hyper, giddy self, you know, 110% like. We were like, no, it's very bedside. You were asleep the whole time. <laughs> um, but no, he he done fantastic. He they were so proud. Do, you know, they were very happy with how the procedure went. Uh, they ended up doing both eyes rather than just the one because his numbers were out on his left eye. Mm. Um, and they said like it'd be more comfortable for him if they'd done the two eyes rather than the one. Get it all well. done in one day. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we got we got started and. So I'm very pleased with him. We're back up now on the third for a review, but he's doing very well. Now, he is still seeing double, um, which they said could last for a few days, you know. Yes. Um, but every day it's getting less and less. Fantastic. So, like, yesterday morning he woke up and she was like, oh, mom, I'm seeing single again. And <laughs> then we... What age did he know, Sabrina? Ten. Ten. Okay. Well, where was going on? Like uh, like I said yesterday morning, it was um, he he thought he was only seen single, and then we came downstairs to do his drops, and he was no one seen double again, and then t- this morning now again he was seen single for a good hour this morning, and 
Brain went back to seeing double again, so that, every that, day that, it's getting less and less. That's his brain relearning, is what that is, Sabrina. Because I know I had screen surgery myself as a small fella, and I remember my doctor saying, yeah, "That's your brain having to relearn." Well, you see, he also uh, this year got the diagnosis of cerebral vision impairment, ah, so yeah. his 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 um, brain can't relearn as much yeah. um, because it's a scar tissue from he had a stroke when he was twelve hours old, so. That's blocking his optic nerve from seeing, from seeing properly, you know. But the 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 eyes at the moment, there are I can see a major difference in them. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Major difference. Fantastic. Yeah. And again, the person who came forward in January offering to pay, I know you wanted to just thank them and say, look, thank you so much for that generosity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was so kind, and I I, I cried, overwhelmed, cried when I got the phone call. And saying that somebody offered, you know, I mean, that generosity that is out there is, you know, you don't see it every day. No. And it, it was just so, it's so kind of them. And I just want to say thank you. Okay. Thank you for it. But um, I knew in my heart and soul to, to wait for Temple Street, sure. you know, gut feeling done. and all that. Like, But all, go- and, all good now and, and progress from here on. I'm delighted to, uh, to see it uh, and hear about it, Sabrina. Absolutely. I am too. And I, again, just want to say thank you. People of Cork are just always so generous, you know. Best in the business, best in the world. Thank you, Sabrina, and best of luck to Dean. Thank you. 0818-96-96-96. We love it when people come back to us with their good stories like that. Now, there's a, this is developing at pace. Uh, Gardaí are investigating it at this stage, and which means there isn't a whole pile people can say, but Gardaí are probing... A shock claim, and look, we've dealt with a series of incidents in the GAA over the last number of weeks and months. But this one, I think, is particularly shocking. This is a claim, and it was seen by the child's mother, that an adult walked onto a pitch during a game of hurling in County Tipperary last Saturday. And the allegation is he walked onto the pitch, confronted a nine-year-old, and grabbed him by the throat. This was seen by the boy's mother. She was obviously horrified, and she called Gardaí. And now the guards in uh, in the town in County Tip have begun an investigation. Uh, there are no arrests. Someone has... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But identified, and it's un- also understood a man presented himself to Thorless Garda Station on Sunday. Sean Kelly, uh, MEP, of course, for Ireland South, with former president of the GAA. Sean, like, there is a series of these now up and down the country, but this one, a nine-year-old boy confronted and allegedly grabbed by the throat. When's it going to stop? Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, it's uh, very disturbing and it's bad for the image of the GAA. And uh, I think uh, the GAA has to look at its overall rules in terms of respect for players and officials, especially referees, and also look at the number of people who can get on the sideline, etc., so that uh, these incidents are avoided because, as you rightly point out, a number of incidents have been highlighted in recent times which have been very unsatisfactory and unsavoury and damaging. And uh, it takes away from all the great work that's been done at the thousands and thousands of games that take place where there's no such incident. Mm. These will be highlighted, and nothing wrong with that, because in highlighting them, it helps to deal with them and hopefully eradicate that practice into the future. We've had a number of lengthy suspensions following on from previous incidents, also a number of weeks ago, and this was just a report uh, of of an incident on the the north side of the city here at a match, a child again involved. It seems to be... It's it's disturbing, Sean, in particular, the number of these incidents taking place at underage games. Kids, teenagers, and, and they're so-called, and I use the word so-called, adult mentors. Like, what work is the GAA doing, or if you were back in the position of being president, what would you do to eke out why that's happening? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is the antithesis of sport, really. And at underage level, it's all about enjoyment. And in fairness to the GAA, they have been emphasising that aspect of it uh, for a good number of years now. Uh, they have tried to eliminate competitions as such, championships at uh, under 12 level and so forth, and uh, uh, downgrade the importance mm. of underage. But Sean, with respect, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with a bit of healthy competition. If the 12 year olds are playing hurling or 14 year olds are playing football, it doesn't matter how competitive they are on the pitch. Once the so-called adults stay in, in their lane, as it were, and behave themselves, you're absolutely correct. And that's why they have to increase the penalties for those who transgress. They also have to be clearer guidelines at all levels, be that challenge matches or league matches or championship matches, underage matches in particular, of those who actually can get on to the sideline. There should be a very minimum number of people who are directly involved in the game on the sideline. Others if they transgress by coming onto the pitch, it should be a penalty in itself. So if somebody walks down from the stand, once they transgress and go on the sideline, that should be a serious offence. And I think it should be a bit like in going through an airport. Once you make the exit, you cannot go back again. 
are will be very seriously penalised. Yeah. So the same here, we look need to look at the rules and regulations, and also have an educational part of it. Mm. That uh, particularly people coming into the game who might not have any experience bringing their young kids and so forth are told, no, your job is to stay up on the stand and let the mentors get on with mm. the game. And I think things like that might help. So you need a penalty but you also need some educational yeah. programmes for people who might be getting involved for the first time. Is any of this nonsense, Sean, brushed away or played down by the old Asher in the spirit and the heat of the moment? Does that wash anything? I think that was more so in the past, but the fact that these incidents can now be highlighted much quicker and easier through social media and in the media generally, like you're doing, that's actually helpful. People mightn't think so, but I think that's actually helpful because it will help to create the understanding amongst people that this is not acceptable and we must deal with it immediately. And I'd expect the GA would come forward at next year's Congress as a result of these incidents with proposals to put into rule penalties for different types of transgressions of Mm. that nature but also guidelines in relation to the uh, manning of pitches and deciding who can go on the pitch and who can't Mm. at all levels, as I say, because sometimes at some games, everybody goes on the sideline, and then at uh, serious matches, we won't call them that, championship matches, a minimum number. Mm. I think it should be a minimum number at all games so people will get used to it. I'm not directly involved in this team. My place is on... Yeah. I think if I was a referee, Sean, and this thing happened in front of me, I would just abandon the match there and then. Does the ref have that power? They do, and some have done it. And that's not a bad thing in itself, Uh, particularly maybe to give a warning to board captains or board managers that I'm not taking any more of this. And if there's a repeat, I'm abandoning the game. Because while that's not something you'd like to see happening, if it's something the referee feels is necessary, it's yeah. actually a good thing. Well, maybe if, it, maybe if a few refs optimize. did call off a few under-12 games, I know it's hard on the kids, but may, maybe if a few refs did call off a few under-12 or under-15 games on a Saturday afternoon, then you've got 30 upset children going back to the dressing room and the ref is turning around and going, now will you behave yourselves? Uh, the, the mentors up in the stand. Is it time also, Sean, to look at, and again, as a former president, you, you know the rules inside out and backwards, is it time to look at life bans for people who do this kind of thing? I think it is, actually. I think if people can't behave themselves or lose the rag and are a danger to others and possibly to themselves as well by destroying their image and so forth and their reputation by attacking a referee or a player, uh, being involved in a sports organisation mightn't be the best thing for them. But I might actually put in a kind of a caveat there I would give possibly a life ban within maybe after uh, 96 weeks or so forth, giving them the opportunity to appeal because you should always give a person time to reflect and maybe if they did uh, reflect, they might come back in a different role and maybe contribute to the association. Mm. But you're right, if they cannot control themselves on the sideline, then they should have a role different to that, maybe in administration or so forth. That would be in their own best interest as well as the GA's interest.
All right, all right. Former GA President, now Ireland South MEP, Sean Kelly. I know you've got votes to get to joining us from Strasbourg. Thank you very much. Got parliamentary votes to go to. Sean, appreciate your time. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. I think if I was a ref, I would just abandon the game there and then. If I, and if I was a ref for, for, for kids, 9, 10, 12, 14 year old kids, and I saw some gobshite coming onto the pitch roaring and screaming, I'd just abandon it there and then and turn around and say, that's what you just caused, mate. And I really do think that anyone, I, I, I mean, I think Sean is even a bit softer. You transgress, like you flatten a referee like someone did up the country a few weeks back. You flatten like someone did in ref in in Roscommon or someone did in in. Up, up, <laughs> you flatten a ref. Not only should you be having a conversation with the local guard, the Shikana, but you should be expelled from the GAA. That's my view. 0818969696 Happy to listen to yours Kate was watching a match of the weekend If you saw the carry on from them They were grabbing each other and chugging each other around on the sidelines If it happened in other sports The referee would have cracked down on it The GAA, in Kate's words, had gone mad And it's a pity Because they're in charge of our national sports Certainly a lot of concerning instances Hardly a weekend goes by now in fairness That something isn't reported 081896 96, 96. If you ever worked in the UK for more than three years, you might have gone over as a student, gone over when you finished your college course, or just gone over when times were tough a few years ago and got work over there, then you came back. You're there for three years or more, and it doesn't matter what age you are now, you may well be entitled to moolah from the British government. I'll tell you how in a sec. 0818 96 96 96. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. Quiet Lights is an exciting and well-loved winter festival with a big heart. It aims to shine the light on a new wave of Irish and international folk, traditional and experimental talent taking place in venues across the city from the 24th to 27th of November. Access all areas. Fishamble, the new play company, is set to collaborate would acclaim playwright Eugene O'Brien to present his first play in two decades titled Heaven. This exciting new work opens at the Everyman Theatre on October 25th for two nights with tickets on sale now from the Everyman box office. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork's 96FM. Mel Morgan, you tell me there could be 10,000 people or more from Cork entitled to state pension money from the United Kingdom. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. What's the story? Yes, I think so. Yeah, um, this came from my own experience just at the start of lockdown. And I, like many others, and my wife, moved from Ireland to the UK and worked. We worked, in our case, five years uh, over in the UK and then moved back and continued working here in Ireland. And we found, when I checked it out, um, they said, well, you need 10 years working to have a, a state pension entitlements in the UK. So I almost hung up at that stage. But I persevered and I, re- I requested a pension statement. And they said, you've got seven years. I'll give you some bonus years. And they said, you can buy some back. So I was entitled to buy back 15 years of state pension payments. What, what, what does buy back mean now? It means that you can effectively 
um, pay money to buy back your entitlements for a number of years, in order to increase your state pension entitlement. So I went from seven years and I added 15 years to that. So I ended up with 22 years of state pension entitlements. And then I'm entitled to buy forward until I retire. So I can keep buying and paying money, 160 pounds a year in my case, to the UK government. So in my case, personally, I've paid 2,400, which is not a small amount of money, pounds, to buy back 15 years. And then I will keep paying 160 pounds odd a year to them every year until I retire, which is in six years' time. So but when I, I, I'm trying to break what, this down now into, into simple terms. So if someone went over to the UK and worked there for a number of years and paid all their taxes and all their dues over there, they could now be entitled to, if, I, if, I, if I'm picking you up rightly, Mel, to pay back, keep paying into the UK system so that they will have a UK state pension when they retire over here. Correct. And in my case, I paid £2,400 back. I'll pay about another £1,000 odd forward. So £3,400 in total. And when, you and retire, then when I reach pension age of six and a half, I get £10,000 per year. That's what, £180-something pounds a week? Yes. Wow. And that's the current arrangement. And it will go up every year until I retire. It'll, it's index-linked. But the key thing is that it doesn't impact my Irish contributory state pension. I was just about to ask you that because what can happen a lot with pensions in this country is if you have, say, a private pension and the state pension coming in together, the tax man takes a big slice out of one or other. Does that happen with this? Yeah, well, like everything in life, death and taxes are the only two certainties. So it's income, so it's taxable. Mm. So if you added together your Irish state pension and a UK state pension, there would be some tax payable on it. There's no and, question about that. And I'm thinking now in terms of people who'd gone over maybe, in, say in the bad times, fellas who'd, construction workers, people finishing college, went to the UK, worked half a dozen years, then came back here when life was better and they're settled with a few kids now and they're in their maybe early to mid-30s. They did all their contributions over there. They can get onto this bus and they can pay into a state pension and down the road when they retire, they can claim a British state pension for the years they spent over there. That's correct. Wow. And it's interesting for those people, but it's also interesting for people in their 50s. Indeed. And even in their early 60s, because the opportunity is now that they can actually buy back 15 years wow. before they retire. And that option is only open for another, probably another month or so, because effectively you need to pay all that back uh, to the UK state pension people, the HMRC, before the end of the tax year. But it takes them a long time to process the whole thing. So I, I, I can't identify a deadline, but I'm pretty sure that by mid-November, it's going to be too late for them to make an application. There's a website that people can find out a whole pile more. This is interesting. I know a lot of people will be excited by this, Mel, people who spent a few years over there, be they in their 30s, like you say, in, in their 50s. We'd have a lot of listeners in their mid to late 30s who might have spent a few years there in their 20s. Sure. You know, maybe gone over, put themselves through college or worked on the building sites or whatever for the few years. Uh, UKStatePensionAbroad.com is the website. That's correct. And I had, a look, and at it. I had just, a look at it there, actually. It's quite understandable. It's quite easy to get your way around. Oh, thanks. That's good, yeah. And, and then there's a state pension forecast in there. 
uh, where you can identify what you may be entitled to. Now, it, it is, I don't make the decisions. The decisions are made by His Majesty, uh, Revenue and Customs in the UK. Right. Um, but uh, we've applied and we are agents of HMRC oh, so this to, is, this to is allow us website. to do this. This is, this is your yes. website. I got yes, you. it is. I got you. I got you. So it's ukstatepensionsabroad.com. Uh, Mel, thank you very much. You, you may have brightened up so many people's day. Mel Morgan uh, on the opinion line. Thanks, Mel. ukstatepensionsabroad.com. If you ever worked in the UK for more than a couple of years, there could be money there in the kitty for you and you may be able to pay into a nice, handy state pension for yourself. 0818 96 96 96. Now back to the GAA and referees and assaults and Sean Kelly. Louise, morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. What would you like to say? I was just speaking to Emer there saying that when I heard about the story about the referee in Roscommon being assaulted and that he was lying on the ground needing medical attention and like all of the children are watching that and that's what the adults are doing so that's a terrible message to be sending out then when the when the adults are supposed to be the leaders and the teachers you're right I mean, like, if you were in the workplace, if you had an issue with a member of staff or a supervisor or anything like that, you'd be called up to HR. You'd be giving two verbal warnings, you'd get a written warning. The same for in school. Any act of violence, any act of aggression, you'd be suspended straight away. There's so a lot of places, you... Louise, where there are things called summary dismissals, and if you strike, if you strike a colleague... Mm-hmm. That that can be a summary dismissal if that place takes, person takes a complaint. Yeah. Like, I know of a school of jobs, I won't say, of an incident very, very recent where there was a little bit of a fight broke out and the, the boy was suspended immediately who had never been in trouble before. But that's the message they wanted to send the school community. We will not accept this form of behaviour. What do, you think, what do you think is causing this, Louise? And I'm particularly upset by... Look, adults will get het up at matches in every sport. That, mm. that happens. What I find particularly upsetting is this story we're talking about today where mm. an adult allegedly walked onto a pitch and grabbed a nine-year-old child by the throat. Like, that's... that's I can't even imagine a PJ. I have two daughters myself were involved with the soccer, but all of my family are all involved in GAA. We're all with St. Vincent's. If I saw that, I, I, I'd probably faint with the shock as a parent, and like that to me, then would be the guards then would have to get involved with well, that they are involved, so away. Probably the best, the less said, the better about the specific yeah. incident. But I guess the, the but principle it's of it very out of hand. Like I mean, it's it's. I know that you'd have the bit of banter on the pitch and the parents would get given out to and what have you. But this has just got onto a whole other level, especially this year. I don't remember seeing this in the media before, like these acts of aggression and violence. Yeah, it's it's, it's a question actually Louise, that day. bears asking. It's a question that bears asking. Is mm. it is it out there now so much because we are talking about it, you and me and many others are mm. talking about it, or mm. is it or was it always happening? I think it was always happening to a degree. A bit of jostling, a bit of you know, a bit of shoulder or whatever. But this violence, I think, is gone to another level. I mean, children now have seen a referee lying on the ground needing medical attention because of a parent 
I don't think we've seen that before. And if and if it has happened before, it's certainly been kept under wraps very nicely and out of the public eye. But PJ, at the end of the day, if the GAA are responsible for putting these rules and regulations in place, not just like a little slap on the wrist, they really no need to take action. Do you think, Louise, and I was talking to Sean Kelly earlier on, you were listening to him, oh, the former president, he said mm. lifetime bans with the op- with the option to appeal maybe in, in two years or something. How would you feel about expulsion from the organisation for life? I absolutely fully agree with it. And you know what I would do as well? As I said, no, my, my daughters play soccer, but we are involved with the GAA. I would expect the clubs and the parents to boycott their children's GAA teams until such time as they feel, even for the parents, they have to take responsibility as well. They want their children to be in a safe environment. That's the parents' role. They too are involved in the results that's going to come out of this. Fantastic point. Fantastic point, Do you know what I mean, PJ? If it was me, I wouldn't let my children go. Absolutely not. If I felt that they weren't safe, what if it was my child that they grabbed by the neck on the next game, whatever mood they were in? That's a fantastic point, Louise. Thank you very much. Brilliant call. Uh, 0818969696. Now, Morris, I don't know whether it's an email or, or, a, or a text, but he says, and this just throws another spanner into it. Let's look at what's provoking referee abuse. We've all seen referees take unfathomable decisions which are likely to provoke very strong reactions. Either these decisions are deliberately taken to make one side win and the other lose or the referees in question need retraining and are simply just poor referees. Let's have a balanced debate on the issue of referee abuse, says Morris. Well, Morris, I never was much of a sportsman but one thing I learned in any sport I ever took an interest in was the referee's decision is final. You may disagree with it, you're entitled to disagree with it, but the referee's decision is final. Um, you might not agree with the decision, but the referee's decision is final. Afterwards, it might get overturned, but on the day, the referee's decision is final. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'd like more thoughts on this, Louise. Brilliant call. Congratulations to our winner of Quartz ninety six FM's Sun Samba and Styles. Hello. Is that Maureen Buckley? Oh my god, it is. Oh my god. Oh my god, no way. Oh my You're god, okay. Maureen. Yeah. You're going to Brazil. <laughs> You've won! Get in! I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Maureen Buckley, where are you from? Um... Have you forgotten? (laughs) (laughs) Rio de Janeiro, I think. (laughs) You are going to Harry Styles in Brazil, and we are absolutely delighted for you. Oh, my God. I don't believe it. Thank you so much. Stay listening, because our next big giveaway is coming very soon. Very soon. Only on Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I promised you yesterday that I was going to go away and watch episode two 
of the Midnight Club, which is gauging around third or fourth most popular show on Irish Netflix at the moment. And I, I remember I said to you yesterday, I was looking for something over the weekend just to watch and get stuck in. You know the way they all cool the brain down at night before hitting the stairs kind of thing. And something to watch on my own when they're all gone up to bed. And I found this. And it's about a bunch of teenagers, all of whom have a terminal illness. Generally cancer, but there's one young lad has AIDS and there's a few more things. And they're all in this hospice, which is a very strange place with a very strange and multi-layered history and, and seems to be haunted. And it's a, it's an odd sort of a series. And episode one, halfway through, it was kind of giving up on it and saying, ah, this is rubbish. And then something happened and it reeled me in quickly. So I said I'd go back and I'd watch episode two last night and I did. And now I cannot wait to get stuck into episode three tonight. It's brilliant. It's just fantastic. And there is a an Irish character in it. The main character is a girl called Ilanka. And she's the one who knows the history of the hospice and is looking into the history and she's suspicious about what's going on around the place. And she also has a terminal illness herself and she, she knows a story of someone who once went in there and got cured miraculously and all this. But there's an Irish girl in it called Anya. Now they spell it A-N-Y-A, but it's Anya. And her background appears to be County Kildare and... There is a definite, I'm almost 100% sure, and if people have watched it, they'll know. And if you haven't, then you won't know, but you'll go and watch it. Did I hear, because I reeled it back and played it back and reeled it back and played it back. Did I hear a definite mention of the junior cert in episode two? There's a very quick reference to the junior cert in episode two of The Midnight Club. I said, did she just say what I think she just said? Great show anyway. Well worth a watch. 0818 96 96 96. Back to pensions. Somebody on the phone. Now, we've not tried this or verified it, but it could be worth exploring. There's an easier way, says this caller, to get a UK pension entitlement. You automatically get it when you fill in your form for the Irish pension once you put in that you worked in other countries. There's a link-up process, and then that's what triggers it all. Thanks for that. People are quite welcome to, to take a look. Lots more of your stuff coming in on GAA and behaviour of adults, particularly during children's games and youngsters and, and mentors and coaches and all of that and the, the carry on of them. And some pretty rough stuff happening. One call says, I live near a football field. And don't ever blame young people for the antisocial behaviour that goes on. What the adults don't call the ref at the top of their lungs, we can hear them. It's a wonder the kids have any manners and decency left at all. And it's a credit to their parents and to them that they do. John says, I agree with you. Not only should a ban be in place, but the team that the person played for or a mentor for should be docked 10 points in the league or not allowed to play in cup matches the following season. And there should be a big fine. Bernie says, all sports should be cancelled just for one weekend. That would send out a clear message once and for all, especially to children, about how it's unacceptable for this to go on. Well, <laughs> Bernie, we had whole months of nothing happening during lockdown. And when this came back, it actually seems to have been worse than it ever was before. But I do take your point. Got this message at an underage game. My husband, as first aider, was on the pitch attending to a player. A player from another team threatened to hit him I assume her husband, were the Hurley. 
My son told him to F off. That boy's father ran in the pitch, grabbed a hurley and struck my son on the back. He ran and was chased away. The ref abandoned the game. The team and mentors ran to the changing room and locked the door. My son was an inch away from paralysis. Mentally, he was very upset. We rang the guards, but due to the person responsible being from a certain community and known to them, we were advised not to pursue it. We contacted the GAA. Not once did they come back to talk to us or to ask how our son was. And there's plenty more of them coming in. There's a lot going on in the GAA at the weekends that we don't we don't know about. Anne recommends The Old Man on Disney. You'll love it. I might watch that later. 0818 96 96 96. I promised I'd come back to some Celtic Symphony stuff because Fintan O'Toole is writing a column in the Times about it today, which is flaring up the whole thing again. And I'll do that before we finish. But today is World Menopause Day. And we've talked about menopause before. And one of the worst things about menopause, I think, is that it can start to hit you very young. And the more I talk about it, the more I learn about it. Um, I'm a fella. It's not going to bother me very much. But the more I talk about it, the more I learn about it. And the more I learn that you can be menopausal really, really young. And really, really suddenly. Um, And your whole life can start to fall apart. And that's what happened to Sally Ann Brady. She runs irishmenopause.com. It's a great resource for women of all ages. Um, But she promotes a better understanding of the fact that menopause isn't limited to older women. And it's more common than you think for it to start, or for perimenopause, which is the bit before it, to start in your 30s, because that's what happened to her. And uh, she has revealed many times now on her website and publicly that she often felt suicidal in her 30s because of uh, the early onset of menopause. Sally Ann joins me now. Sally Ann, when it started first, had you any idea that that's what it was or that it could start so early? No, it wasn't. Um, and it seemed quite unusual. But from what I know now, it's actually not that unusual. I was a little bit earlier, normally very late 30s, early 40s, you'd start to feel a bit off. But in my case, it was earlier in the 30s. So, yeah. Pretty mm. awful. In what way did you start to feel off first? And, and what did people think was up? Um, it started with just a ridiculous anxiety that was sort of spiralling out of control. I was just really worrying about everything and just out of sorts and all over the place. And, you know, when you say, what did people think? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Did they even notice? They probably mm. did. They, maybe they said, God, she's odd. I haven't got a clue. No, I mean, did you ask anybody about it? Yeah, like doctors and that, but it was always treated as just anxiety, you know. But as the years ticked on then, as they had it later into the 30s, I started getting physical symptoms. So that when it became very obvious to me, this has to be hormones. And I was back and forth to doctors like yo-yo all the time saying, this is hormones, this is hormones. And every time just say, no, you're too young. You be. I was always told I was being silly. I was being ridiculous. I was yeah. overthinking. It was my anxiety. Um, this label of anxiety was used for everything. My night sweats, I were told, were my anxiety because that's how the anxiety can manifest, a sweating. Mm. Um, it just became crazy, you know. And, and Sally, and was your, if you don't mind me asking such a question, was your cycle normal at this time? Yes, Yes, it was. 
And this is normal. You know, this is what happens. And that's where a lot of women are thrown off because you're still having a regular normal cycle. So why would it be hormones? We're not educated. Mentally, it got to you. Yes. You, you began to think, think the worst. Absolutely. Um, because the anxiety, you know, is getting out of control and you're anxious about being anxious then. And then you've got the, and I knew I wasn't in control of it, that it wasn't actually me. It was like, it felt like it was chemical, you know, it was like something was coming over me. You know, nobody could join the dots on this. But towards the, I won't say the end of the journey, but the end of the journey before I got better, it became very bad. And I did. I attended Pieta House. I wanted out. And the thing is, I didn't, that's the wrong wording. I didn't want out, but I didn't have it in me anymore. Couldn't yeah. keep going. What, what age were you at this stage? Uh, 39. Right. Yeah, I just, I, I, I had to, I just, I couldn't keep going. It was just every hour of every day was agony mentally and physically. Bedtime was something to be afraid of at night because you didn't sleep and everything is worse at night time. It, w- it was just a very, very, very dark time and I wouldn't wish it on the worst enemy. And what was your doctor saying? Anxiety. Couldn't find anything wrong. I got referred to psychiatry. I was referred to our discussions of different referrals to different people. I had particularly bad problems with my neck, shoulders, ears, anything to do with my head, ear pressure, pains in my ears, allergies. Um, and I, I went all around the country, really, to seeing different people, ear, nose and throat specialists. Nobody could find anything wrong with me, you know? I, I find it remarkable that people would just keep telling you this was only anxiety. Well, I guess, I suppose, when you look at it on paper, they were doing all the tests. They couldn't find anything. They were, you know, looking for the wrong thing, Yeah. you know? And I don't know what they were looking for, but everything they looked for, they couldn't find. I mean, I was with neurology as well. I had MRI scans. I was in and out of A&E a few times. Nobody could ever find anything wrong. And in fairness, it did look like I was actually, she must be mad. There's nothing wrong with her. But I kept saying, this is hormones. My mother had an early menopause. I must be having one too. Nope, you're too young. And at what point did someone take that seriously? And at what point did you find out, yes, you're right? Well, you know, I always sort of knew I was right, but the treatment was, I, I did see a doctor in the end. And in fairness, he looked at everything and he looked at my copies of everything I brought and shook his head a bit. And, and I remember he said, let's try some hormones. And I was like, wow, you know, and um, he said, we'll know then, won't we? We'll know if you feel better. And I said, we will. And the rest is history. How quickly did you start to change? Very quickly. Um, It took me time to get back to my good old self, like months. But straight away, within days, I knew this is what my body needs. I could feel things changing. But I knew it was going to be a long journey. There was a lot of mess that needed undoing physically, you know. Um, And, you know, that's part of the reason as well I do what I do now is this was so easily fixed. And I potentially might not be here anymore and how many other women aren't here anymore because of that and I just said gosh I need to be able to help others just tell them this is what happened to me maybe this is your problem Are you angry about the time that was missed at the time that was lost? I was Um, I'm not anymore Um, 
it changes things. It changes how, how you view the world. It changes your perception. And it also, you don't take anything for granted and you realise the how delicate life is and not to take things for granted. It changes you. Um, I'm past the anger and now I love to help where I can. And I understand it because I didn't understand it before. Now I understand that menopause is not taught in medical school. It's not their fault. They're trying. They just don't know this. It's not taught in medical school. Like it's there, but they don't look at it. Sort yeah, of. It's, right. Exactly. Now things are changing, and um, the department, in fairness, have made a lot of changes. But up until recent years, like you could study medicine for eight, ten years, you'll never learn about menopause. You might learn about it for an hour, and that's it. Right. You learn that women age and periods stop, and that's pretty much it. You know, there's not a lot in it. I spoke to some GPs on this, and one of them told me that she was very lucky she got three-hour lecture on it, but most of her colleagues got nothing. It's beginning to sound to me, Sally Ann, for more of the people that, that I speak to, that this can start at any stage yep. in your 30s and go on for 10 or 15 or 20 years. Absolutely. And it's a global issue. It's not just here in Ireland. It's global. And in fairness, we're not doing too badly over here in comparison to others. We now have specialist clinics opened by the HSE. We now have new guidance, menopause guidance by the ICGPs. Some really good things happening. But any big change takes time. It's going to take probably 30 years for this to turn on its head. And, you know, I'm doing this. I'm a mother. This needs to change for future generations. It has to. There's a shortage again in the market of hormone replacement medicines. Does that worry you and the people you work with? Not so much because we always have some form of a shortage. Last year we had a huge shortage where all, nearly all the products were in short supply. But generally speaking, there's always sort of one that's a bit short, but you'll be able to compensate with others. So, you know, I think it's Estradot at the moment and it's one strength, but you'll be able to get other strengths of it. Um, it is a concern, but not as much as the last time. Um, and it's not right. I mean, the uptake in HRT has been huge globally because of the work being done. And when you look at the UK, the Davina McCall documentaries, etc. You know, <laughs> some doctors used to say, "I'm not putting you on that because it'll give you cancer." That's correct. We still yeah, deal. That's with correct. That they one. used to say that. Oh, we still deal with this every day. It's very funny. There was a study in 2002, um, the WHI study, and they announced to the whole world that HRT causes breast cancer. And when the study was revisited, they realised. Well, no, actually it doesn't. And it was interpreted wrong. And when they revisited anyway, they scrapped it and made an apology. But sadly, the the apology didn't make the media. And we're still living 20 years on with that cloud hanging over us globally that HRT causes breast cancer. It's very sad. It is simply not true. It's not true. What I will say, and I'm not medical, by the way, there is an older type of HRT that has a small increased risk, but right. people don't use that anymore. It's yes. the old stuff. Okay. Sally Ann, if people want to contact you and get help from the Irish Menopause Mentor, how can they mm-hmm. do that? Certainly. Well, on Facebook, you'll find us, the Irish Menopause. We've a page and there's also a private support group you can join. You'll find us on Instagram and on Twitter, or you'll find me at um, theirishmenopause.com. And for young listeners, I'm talking women in their 30s 
uh, who who mm. find their their bodies changing uh, and they're, they're mm. worried and concerned. What should they do? Of course. Well, look, they can reach out to us. I mean, we definitely support younger women and with premature ovarian insufficiency, and that needs to be taken very seriously. Um, a young woman in menopause has to have hormones. It's, I don't think it's even debatable because she needs to protect her bones, for example, against osteoporosis. And that's just part of it. So there's also a great resource, the Daisy Network, that look after POI as well. But please don't think I'll be OK, not when you're that age without hormones. Sally thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Sally Brady, thanks. Uh, Irishmenopause.com is the website to find out more. You guys ready? Drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. After a two week break, it's back and it's more head wrecking than ever. The one second song returns this week. Can you figure out what the song is from just one second? Is it Coldplay? Clocks? Is it Slender? Love is gone. George Ezra? Anyone? Christina Aguilera? Stronger? A moment like this by Leon Lewis. Give it a go yourself. Join me every weekday from four. The big drive home with Kevin. O'Leary Silver Springs, the new home for Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96 FM. Sally Ann Brady talking very much about hormone replacement, HRT. Many people use it. Other people would prefer not to. There are other ways. Dr. Fiona Barry uh, runs two women's wellness clinics in Cork. You're a pharmacologist, I think, uh, Fiona. But you also have personal experience of of early menopause, I believe. Good morning. Good morning. I'm not sure about if it's early now at this stage, uh, PJ, because I'm 51 at this stage. So it's been going on for quite a while. (laughs) But uh, yeah. 51 is young. You are but a child. (laughs) (laughs) All relative, all relative. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I'm I'm in the unique position that I, my background is in biomedicine. You're right. I have a PhD in pharmacology, but I run two wellness clinics. I'm a practitioner of Chinese medicine. We've spoken before. And I know you're a big advocate of acupuncture. I hope your back is good. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I suppose I was I was lucky enough that I had tools in my toolkit to be able to treat myself, I suppose, using acupuncture and on an ongoing basis. I use herbs as well. And that's what I do for for women in my clinic. Now, what I I think is important for women to know is that it's definitely not a one size fits all. And the other thing is that, you know, if you decide to go down the medical route, one thing doesn't preclude the other. In other words, you can integrate, Mm. you know, if you want to take HRT, you can also integrate that with uh, you know, other treatments and say more um, yeah. natural remedies. And the strange versa, thing about you know, it is, Fiona, I think no two people that I've ever spoken to about menopause, whether early or regular onset or whatever, no two people seem to experience it in the same way. Is that fair? That's fair because you're, look, it's the same with anything. We're all unique. So, I mean, it's the same with any sort of bodily function. We're all going to have, um, you know, you can't separate, I suppose, your mind from your body. So your mental, emotional health is going to have an impact on your physical health and vice versa. And also then you can't separate the person from their environment. So you have to look at somebody in the context of what, you know, what is their environment? What is their socioeconomic status? You know, what's their life like? Do they work? Do they not? If you're, you know, as a woman... Are you juggling, you know, elderly parents, children and a career? Mm. So all of that 
plays into how a woman is going to experience this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I mean, I should be ashamed to say this, considering my expertise and, and what I do, but I actually missed it. Really? I, I missed, the fa- yeah, absolutely. And this is, I think, what happens to women because, I mean, my 30s would have passed by, I think, like many women in a blur of rearing children and, you know, trying to juggle a career and maybe moving houses, et cetera, et cetera. And so... You kind of, I think because of that, and we're having kids later, you know, in my parents, you know, in that kind of year, I think they were having children in their 20s. So women started to kind of maybe start to find their footing and refine themselves and spend a bit of time themselves in their 30s and Mm -hmm. in their 40s. So they were somewhat more prepared. Whereas I think what happens is our 30s kind of pass by in a blur and you're in your 40s when you kind of start thinking, you know, when the kids reach this age, you know, then I'll spend time on myself. And then before you before you know it, you're vaulted into the, yeah. the perimenopause. Well, mother per- mother you know, nature is going, we need a conversation here. Yeah, exactly. It's like your body, you know, chronologically doesn't kind of pause because you've decided to have kids in your 30s or even in your 40s. Um, you know, but your brain is like my mum used to always say, I'm, I'm 21 in my head. She was saying that like when she was 70. You know, I'm still 21 in my head. And I think we all are a bit like that. Oh, yeah. We kind of forget, oh, you yeah. know, and, and I, I now understand it. Absolutely. So I did miss it. I mean, on one level, obviously, I absolutely knew I was of the age to be in perimenopause but it took me to miss a period but I had been suffering with kind of feelings of anxiety and you know a lot of sleep disturbance and everything like that and to be honest I was so busy actually that's part of it as well I think women are so busy Mm -hmm. because you're trying to split yourself across so many kind of different areas of your life Mm -hmm. that you kind of don't have time to pay attention to yourself and it creeps up on you yeah 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 so you're going literally you're going from bed to work to kids to school to bed to work to kids to school and whoosh it's it's all passing you by yeah and it's brilliant that the i suppose the narrative is changing and the conversation is opening up because the other thing i think from quite a young age as well as as women we are taught to kind of oh sure look just get on with it you know, and so yeah. I think we do really do kind of keep it to ourselves. Like I, I wouldn't have shared it with, you know, my my husband or I wouldn't have shared it with my friends. Or I wouldn't. Have, it was just like I thought, ah, should this will pass? You know, I'll just get on with it. Um, know, and I think something yeah. that happens as well, Fiona, sorry to cut across you, but I remember talking to someone recently about this, having done an item on the show about menopause. It was an older person, but said to me, look, you know, we all go through this. What's the big drama? And I'm kind of saying, well, now we know a bit more, you can offset the worst of it. Absolutely. And you kind of, I hear that a lot, obviously, I because it's hormonal issues I deal with. I do a lot of work with uh, women on fertility. And there was a bit of that attitude around kind of miscarriage as well. I should look at, you know, in my day, we just got on with it. But that's not good enough. That's not an excuse to have women suffering. And that's the way I look at it is no woman should suffer. Mm. So, you know, if if your menopause is having any sort of negative impact on your life, don't suffer. Do something about it. I mean, one of the greatest things that we can do is advocate for ourselves is to be, you know, I suppose to be the agents of our own kind of destiny and take control of it and say, right, OK, this isn't good enough. Mm. And and I would say the same as if you're attending whoever, whatever, whoever your healthcare professional is, if they're not listening to you, you know, mm. move on, find somebody else. Yeah. And if you're feeling sort of muggy and down and not right in your late 30s, early 40s, 
you know, and and there's a way to make it pass a bit more easily other than just being handed antidepressants and sleeping tablets, then then go and seek it out. 100%. And I, and I think realistically, I mean, I suppose the way I would look at it is, is that in reality, we're not making things any easier for ourselves. You know, our it's not our body that is incompatible with menopause. It's our lifestyle is incompatible with menopause because while our ovaries are shutting down, they're not the only site of production of our hormones like estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. There are other areas of our body as well, like our fat cells, our pineal gland, our muscle cells, um, our adrenal glands. But the problem is, is most of us are going into this year without having per- into these years without having prepared at all. And if you actually prepare in your kind of mid 30s, um, you, your adrenal gland can actually up the production of hormones by up to threefold. Most of us are going in with our adrenal glands, which, you know, are responsible for our stress hormones. Sure, who isn't stressed these days? So we're, we're going in on the back foot. Yes. So, you know, so, I mean, I think that has, that's, I, I'm a bit concerned. I think that menopause is going to become over-medicalized, that, you know, HRT has been put out there as the kind of like, you know, literally stick a patch in your ass and you'll be fine. You know? well, for I'm some not, people that's enough too, it. you know, in fairness. And with, for some people it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But to be honest, it, it it's, you know, it's just, it's, I think a more holistic approach needs to be taken to yeah, in, into yeah. account, you know, and that. Someone and, on the know, phone saying, PJ, a lot of, of this perimenopause is pain, sore neck, sore arms, sore legs, sore elbows. I wake up every morning feeling like a 90 year old. And that can be a first sign sometimes. Some women never yeah. get the flushes, never get the obvious symptoms, but they're walking around feeling ancient. And Anne says, HRT brought me back from that. 100% and and because we, uh, we forget I think that you know our estrogen and our progesterone that isn't just responsible for our reproductive health we have receptors for these hormones everywhere in our body which is why every system in a woman's body is impacted yeah. and when your estrogen level drops then what happens is your collagen level drops so you, you have to think of your, your joints and stuff like that there's a lot of collagen that's what creates the, yeah. the I suppose the, the you know the lubrication between joints and, and mm. it allows for for proper movement which is why women start to get an awful lot of pains and aches and obviously then as well with the drop of oestrogen you're going to get a drop as well you you know this is why you end up with vaginal dryness and stuff because the membranes of the body start to actually kind of dry out there's an analogy Um, actually i saw a chemistry teacher doing this that imagine your body as a big bucket of hormones all there in a certain proportion so put a glass bucket or a glass glass vase up on the table and all the hormones are inside in it and you mm-hmm. change that mix and watch what happens in the bucket and that's yes, what's going 100%. on at menopause 100% I actually the analogy I give is is it's like an orchestra so there's an interplay between all your hormonal systems and so if your sex hormones are say the string the string you know the string instruments if that section of the orchestra goes out then everything else falls apart and goes out of, you know is out of tune so yes absolutely trying to keep the balance but our body does adapt and usually the postmenopausal years i mean whether we realize it or not the postmenopausal years actually tend in a woman's life to be the happiest years i mean that's known there's been research done and women in their 60s are the happiest cohort of the human race <laughs> would you believe it do you know what it is do you know what it is and it's funny i often talk about it they're old enough to not give a sugar anymore about anything. 
Oh, but you see, this is, and I think this is the joy of menopause, to be honest. I really do, because most women that I see in this year, if you can actually get yourself back on track, to me, this is like, and I think, you know, men don't get this, but women do. For me, the way I viewed it for myself is that this was the kick up the pants I needed to look at my life. This was like, this was like, why, why is this happening? And why do I feel? Because our hormones are really intelligent. And a lot of the time, our hormones are telling us something. Mm-hmm. And like for me, I know damn well that, you know, I, yeah, I started using the acupuncture and I started using the herbs and I got rid of a lot of the symptoms, but there was still stuff that was there. And I, and, but it was all psychological. It was anxiety. Mm-hmm. It was not sleeping well. And that I actually sat back and I thought, okay, what else is going on that I'm not addressing? What's my body telling me? Can you become body, much no more what? aware of your own mental triggers? 100%. Yeah. And I think menopausal women, I think, are it's an amazing time in a woman's life because actually you're right, because I think the support and the nurturing that has always been put out to other people. That's when when our estrogen levels start to drop because we are biologically, I suppose, we are programmed to be nurturers, to be carers. And as the estrogen level drops, we kind of start becoming maybe a little bit more male-like and we start saying, hang on now a second, what about me? You know, (laughs) where am I in this? So I think it is a great time for women if you can get your symptoms and stuff under control. It's a great time to reflect and actually to say, okay, I've done this for everybody else. What's there for me now? What can I do for myself? What's going to actually give me pleasure in my life? So I think it can be, I think the, I'd love to hear the conversation. I think the conversation needs to be really rounded and looked not as it seeing it as just a problem, but seeing it maybe as a segue. It's not the beginning Mm. of the end. It's the beginning of a new beginning. Do you think it's better that maybe 20 years ago, we didn't talk about this and it was known as, oh, the change, the time. Is it better now that we talk so openly about it and sometimes even laugh about it? 100% because again like one of the best conversations I think I had was with my kids because I thought I mean you know at times I really genuinely PJ I won't put it I I won't put too fine a point in it there was times I was like a virago I really was you know and so I sat with my kids who were at the time you know I suppose my son would have been about 10 and my daughter would have been 13 going on 14 and I you know, I chatted them to them and I said, this is what's happening. And I said, look, you're going through puberty. So I said, your hormones are revving up. And while yours are revving up and you know how it feels, I said, mine are actually winding down. And then I gave the analogy and I said, OK, you know, if I if you never if I gave you no money, you wouldn't miss it. But if I gave you 20 euro and then I took it away, you'd really miss it. And they said, yeah, that's way worse. And I said, that's what it's like. I said, it's you know, it, it's hard enough to for it going through puberty. And we look at the leeway we give, you know, our teenagers with puberty. Oh. But when you're taking something, <laughs> when you're taking something away, still it's the much scars. harder to cope with. <laughs> Absolutely. So actually what that conversation did was that gave my children permission when they were having a hard day with their hormones, when when it, they were having, when it was impacting them, that it gave them permission to talk about it. And it also gave us, you know, them permission to say to me, I'm having a really bad day, mum, or look, I know I said that all wrong. It, it didn't sound like that in my head and I'm sorry. Or, you know, we just were able to give each other that bit of space and mm. understanding and empathy. And I think it was just... It was a real eye-opener for me, and that's why I think it's so important to talk about it and so so right. important that it should be part of the education in the, in, in the school system. All right. Well, good to chat with you today. Uh, Dr Fiona Barry.
look her up. You'll find her her wellness clinics here in Cork. She's a pharmacologist and. Yes, HRT is one element of how you deal with menopause. There are others, and she's an expert in many. Thank you very much. Non-HRT she deals with generally. 0818969696. Uh, well done for having Sally Ann on. Thank you for that. And a caller on the phone <laughs> reminds us that men have a menopause too. Oh, yeah. Men also have a menopause. It makes them go out and buy sports cars. It's very expensive. <laughs> The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. If you told me this was 20 years ago, I'd have said, what? 20 years? The biggest, the fastest selling single in the history of the Irish charts. Would you know what it was? Now, not necessarily the biggest. It was the third biggest selling song in the history of the Irish charts. But the fastest selling single in the history of the Irish charts. Sinead Shepherd, please tell me you're getting back together. Good morning. Oh, good morning. How are you? 20 years ago, girl. I know. And listen to me. I can never hide my age now because every time people are talking the last few days, they're like, 20 years. That's 20 years. I'm like, yeah, I, I know. know. I remember it's the first just, time I met you after six, right? It's when yeah. it all died down and I met you in Cove and I can't remember what it was I was at, but we were both at the same thing. And I said, you are the one who used to be in six. I know, do you know what? Even though it's 20 years, I still get that all the time, which is <laughs> lovely in so many ways, you know, but um, it's mad. It's I'll never, um, I'll never forget the experience, you know, like even hearing the intro of the song oh, there, yeah. you know, 20 years later makes me smile. Just so much joy. Well, well I can remember being a, a jobbing DJ at the time and the number yeah. of parties where big hulky fellas like would get up and break <laughs> tables when that would come on. It was just a great, know, great just... party tune. Yeah, do you know what? It was a great first um, single for us and uh, it brings back so many memories mm. and I think maybe even for the Irish people what it was we were we met obviously all of us um, at the weekend just gone and yes. we were kind of you know reminiscing and chatting about it and I was saying to them I think what it was is that back then there was no reality TV ever in Ireland it was the first one of its kind yes. so people were totally engrossed in it we were in their living rooms every Sunday night so they really got invested in us and in the song so it kind of brings back kind of nostalgic memories for them and for us so yeah do you know what it was a, it was a great ride like you know we had an amazing time yeah you all entered pop stars yes and, and then you were put together and a band formed and a single mm-hmm. released and mm-hmm. I don't is it fair to say looking back Sinead that when the single came out you had no idea how big a hit it was going to be. Oh, no. I mean, like, the reality was, I suppose, we were put together. We were locked away, and uh, everyone knows, in the house for a few months. We got, we were, you know, flying back and forth recording um, the single and the music video and everything. So then we kind of got released, and then, like, say, a week later or something, the song got released, so it all happened really quickly. So we went from, you know, 
being like normal people in a locked in a house in Dublin, not really knowing what the frenzy of the whole thing was, to going out and walking into um, a uh, I'll never forget into a shopping centre and the whole shopping centre like the security were like running around us trying to get us out of the shopping centre and I was like what is going on like for a while I was like why are all those people staring at us then it was just hysteria and I don't know do you know what it's a like it's when I speak about it it's insane but it was a crazy surreal fabulous experience to I have remember gone to so as a teenager happy. it was such a happy thing to be covering it as a, as a reporter, following you guys around. It was such a happy thing. You know, you all decided to get together again 20 years on. What's everybody yeah. up to, Sinead? Yeah, do you know what? Everybody is doing really well. And, like, we're so blessed that all of us, you know, have our health and all of us have lovely families now. And I suppose everybody is really successful in their own right, in their own jobs. Some people are still a little bit in the industry. Others, like Andy, is over a financial advisor in, in the UK. Um, Sarah's in London now working for BBC Radio. Um Kyle is up in Belfast running his own business. Um, Emma has her stage school in Limerick and she's in and out of RTE doing some presenting. Liam is a, a tour manager now. He was with uh, Shane Filan and Jedward and Westlife. So, um, and I'm obviously, I have my uh, stage school here in Cork and then I, I'm in local politics. So we've all done very different things, yeah. but um, everybody is doing really well and how lucky are we to be sitting around the table 20 years later, still super good friends, still super health yeah. and things had, are had really great seen for each all other? of us. Had you actually seen each other no. in the flesh since then, no? We had seen each other um, eight years ago at Kyle's wedding. That was the last time. And then Sarah has lived in Singapore for six years. So she just came home recently. So we decided, look, we were saying over lockdown, we had done some Zoom calls and stuff. And we were saying, God, when everybody's back, let's just meet up. And we met up. and We had a great weekend. And then... To be honest with you, we didn't, we genuinely did not expect the reaction that has come from the weekend of just, I literally posted a photo on my social media and every, I don't know, every Irish outlet and magazine has picked up on it and the phones have been going crazy. So, it's, it's so surreal. So are, really you going, surreal. are you going to give me the story? Is there something going to happen? <laughs> Do you know what? Like, it's a difficult one because it's not just my decision. Like, six people have to decide it and we've all busy lives now. But we are, we're not, I can't see us putting on a white suit and jumping around and doing a whole lot of loving like that again. But there, we have been approached, I suppose, since the weekend about one or two projects mm. um, this side of Christmas. So we are in talks about doing uh, one or two things. Um, so hopefully, well, yeah, we will well, do something. We'll to mark the 20 years. Fantastic. Whole lot of loving, Sinead, as you know, was a cover of an old, I think it was a Guys and Dolls song from the 70s. Guys and Dolls, yeah. I've often said, because I'm a big fan of Christmas music, the band that can put together a decent Christmas single is made because they'll get played every Christmas. And you could do it all on Zoom. Could you not put a a Christmas (laughs) song together in the 60s? Oh God, I don't know. I don't know about that now. Listen, I don't know where I'd find the time. I'm sure my husband and my kids would be like at a grip. I know, yeah. <laughs> we have no time to share. It'd be you. great to do something. But no, we are. Do- 
yeah. we, it would be great to do something and just kind of to mark the 20 years and we are we will do something you know like as Good. in we um there's big discussions going on the last few days so um you know it'll be exciting to do something that just to mark the 20 years and an excuse for all of us to get together because outside of the fact that we were put together and manufactured it just worked out that we are all our great friends yeah yeah it's it, it, and and it, it's these... a fabulous fact come here to me what are you what are you putting into your porridge you haven't aged a day Oh, God, I don't know about that. I feel like I'm aging rapidly. <laughs> three boys. And three boys in politics would do that to you, you know? <laughs> no, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the then and now, and I'm thinking to myself, hang on a second. Do you know what? They haven't aged today. Oh, listen, I'll pass the message on. We'll take this, we'll take this. <laughs> but, you know, it's great. Like, as in, I was saying to them, there's five, we're really close because I think there's, there's, five other people outside of myself that know the experience that we went through for two and a half, three years. Yes. No one will ever get that, only us. So it kind of bonds you together, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I guess and it has its ups I, and downs and it's hard, it hard does, times. And, and it's hard going, yeah. But you know what I have to say? I suppose we were extremely lucky that it was very positive around us. The whole of Ireland really you know, embraced us. We didn't have the very dark side of social media then that no. we do now no. so that pressure wasn't on us okay you had the pressure of the press but overall we had an extremely positive experience and people were so kind to us and I always think of that now when I think of you know the Irish people and genuinely the gift they gave me yeah. Do you ever have any contact with Nadine these days? No and you know what only I genuinely don't because and that it's so funny that question still asks because it's still one of the biggest TV moments well, of all remember, time let's remember it for two seconds yeah. oh, what date of you birth go on play what date of birth did I give Linda she's 18 if you were trying to make out that you were 18 that you were, would, would you tell me at this stage I would tell you at this stage as your friend I would tell you it's, it's, it's totally right I think yeah, I forgot there was the same show. But listen, hasn't, yeah, but listen, hasn't she done extremely well? Like, she's done yeah, fantastic. She so yeah, it didn't really, does. it didn't really matter to her, but we actually didn't have that much contact because you know what? That was less than, that happened in less than 24 hours of did. us kind of being and put together like as two, a band. Two episodes you know? out of it, it really did. Sinead, yeah. great to talk to you and great to, oh, great to, to hear the to tune again because I loved it. Oh, me too. <laughs> Listen, we'll talk again sometime soon. I look forward talk to, to see what PJ. six are going to do 20 years on. That's Sinead Shepherd. That's our programme. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow just after nine. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie.